Hello, readers. Today is episode four, chapters 17 through 20. It's kind of a slightly smaller section today, but there's a lot, lots going on, so I can't wait to share with you. So just the preface to say, there are going to be spoilers in here, as always, so I would recommend catch up on your chapters, or, you know, if you just want to listen anyways, you know, you're happy to welcome you here. There are some trigger warnings in here. I will have to say violence, there's suicide and murder in this. So I advise to just be aware of that in these next chapters. So we start with chapter 17. In this chapter, Jude is waking up in Locke's house. Um, She just, you know, right after the party the next day, she finds herself in Locke's bed and snoozing at his side. As far as she can tell, nothing really happened but because she's still wearing her, uh, his mother's gown. So when she returns the gown, she decides to keep the golden acorn that she found in the pocket. She heads down to find Acacia downstairs, and she finds that that Cardin and, and her was supposed to wed for a good alliance, and that he always ruins everything. So I kind of wonder what that meant. So the lecture that day, there was a new teacher, and she was talking about the upcoming coronation, and how the current elf king was on the throne. So the only way for any kind of lower courts to be able to take the throne is through the murder of the king or qu- the current uh, king or queen. So that is how Queen Mab of the Greenbrier line bargained with the Fae, where the crown can only be passed down to her descendants, and it's extremely hard to get by force. Because uh, uh, apparently there is a curse on the crown. It will stay that way until there is less than two descendants of, of the Greenbrier line. One to wear the crown and one to place it in the ruler's head. That's the only way it works. So once there is fewer than two, then the power will crumble and Elfham will be free from its oaths. I guess the whole country or the whole place kind of, you know, gives their oaths to that crown per se. And then a new crown will be formed. So Jude asks, what if someone tries to take the crown? Good question. There's no stupid questions here. (laughs) Uh, It can be done as long as the pair is one of Mab's descendants. So it can be only taken if it's Mab's descendants. But the dangerous part is, though, that the crown is cursed so that a murder of its wearer causes the death of the person responsible. So if they kill the current king or queen, they will be murdered as well. That's the curse. So after after the lecture, uh, Jude is back in her room looking at the golden acorn, kind of fiddling with it, and then she kind of realizes that it kind of opens up and there's a tiny golden bird in it. And it actually kind of creaks and it makes a little voice that sounds like uh, the last words of uh, Lyra Rope, which is Locke's mother. So there were three of them that was sent out, hoping that it will get to someone. She is too far gone because of the poison, and her last wish is to spirit the child safely away. Since uh, Locke was still there, there is a chance that the acorns were never found. It may be Locke who was supposed to be spirited away. So Jude thought about the note she w- she found at Balkin's desk, uh, the one about the blusher mushrooms and chances of that Queen Orla, Nicasia's mother, um, the blusher mushroom came from and not what to do with it. There is a chance that Balkin was going to poison Dane. And there's also a chance that Balkin knows who caused 
Locke's mother's death. So kind of beating herself up a bit, realizing that maybe she didn't search, you know, Belkin's office as thoroughly as she has hoped, she decides to, like, let me go back to Hollow Hall. As she was kind of leaving, passes Oriana, and Oriana is, uh, is always suspicious of Jude, always saying that she must be scheming. Jude's response to that situation on page 180 is says, I'm tired of her suspicions, so very tired. You always think that, I say. It's just for once, you're right. You know, Jude's basically saying, I've always been in line. I'm always doing what's right. I never step a toe out of line. And then for once, I am scheming, and you are right. <laughs> you know, so at Hollow Hall, Jude heads back to Balkan's study that is in the tower, trying to find more clues about the blusher mushroom. So unfortunately, she just only found some correspondence from Maddox and nothing else. So it's like as if he kind of wiped the evidence away. So she's kind of like, crap. So as she starts to leave, uh, Jude did see in a uh, in a room a girl who was mechanically lifting books to the shelves. And Jude is overcome with that sense that that girl is going to keep doing this for until she wastes away into nothing. So she decides that she just couldn't leave her behind. So she takes the salt that she brought with her, forces it in this girl's mouth. This girl's like, oh, I'm not allowed to take salt. And she starts kicking her, you know, kicking and fighting back. And as she was dragging her away, and then as the salt starts kicking in, she kind of starts like, where am I? You know, has no idea where she's at. So they get through the kitchens. They even were able to trick some guards, you know, even as she, Jude was passing the kitchens and where there was more humans kind of mechanically doing things. She says to herself, once I have power, I'll find a way to help them. Like that quest for power for Jude. <laughs> Jude is scared out of her wit to be caught because she is caught stealing another servant. In fairy, it means that if you're ever caught with doing that, it means execution, especially if it's coming from royalty. As they step outside, they can see Cardin start running up to the horse in Acacia with Nicasia. Uh, there's a chance that Cardin saw them as they were racing to the forest. So once they were safe distance from the forest, uh, Jude did realize that the girl was in terrible shock. Clues of how she even got there. Apparently the last memory this girl had was at Burning Man, and a guy she met there invited her to his tent. But she he did give her a warning that says if she eats anything, she'll serve him for a thousand years. So basically I think she just ate fairy food. And that, you know, fairy food has such an intense effect on human beings that they just completely are like devoid of anything so they're gone you know so this girl this whole time she keeps muttering how this isn't real and how much she can't face this you know she kept telling her telling jude that so jude gets to this girl to maddox's place and hides her in the stables as she goes and runs and finds vivi because she feels that vivi is the only person who would be willing to do anything about saving this human girl from this world and the girl unfortunately kind of again freaks out because it was Vivi who was part of fairies as well because she had the pointed ears and cat-like eyes and everything. She almost refuses the goad, but they had to cox her back onto, onto doing that on the ragwort steeds. So as they were getting her to the mortal world by jumping across the sea, they, she, um, the girl unfortunately just let go of the mane and just dropped to the water. She didn't want to live anymore because she thought that they were t probably taking, you know, she didn't want to live with those memories. So in chapter 18, Jude felt so awful about what happened. She was so shocked that the girl rather just not be around anymore than deal with the memories of fairy. 
So she couldn't bask in that for too long. She was actually summoned by Prince Dane. And Dredd kind of hits her as she realizes that Dane, Dane may have found out that she took a servant girl from Belkin. So when she meets Dane, he is super angry and, he, and for almost ruining his plans with her actions. She was about to confess and everything. Like, I'm sorry, you know. But he actually brought up the incident with Jude stabbing Valerian actually. And she was kind of shocked about that because she thought she was caught in that. Uh, she did try to defend herself by saying that he tried to glamour her into jumping out of the out of the tower. And then Dane just turns it around again. He's like, people know that you're, you can't be glamoured. <laughs> so he advises her to only strike when he asks her to strike or do nothing. So, and it always kind of pinpoints to me that he's like, I'd rather you just die than revealing my plans. So when try when Jude tried defending herself again about not letting them him hurt her, he just instead just said commanded her to pick up the knife and put the knife on her hand, pointing the knife on her hand. And then he said, you know, if I asked her, if he asked her to do it, to put the blade in her hand, he'll make her do it. But at that moment, he didn't make her do it. He's it was kind of like a threat, like, hey, I can make you do anything because of this gi that I put on you, and this is the condition that we have is that I'm the only one who commands you to do anything. But Jude felt like she had to prove her loyalty anyways. It's like a she felt like it was a test from Balkan. So she just took the knife and stabbed herself without being commanded to. Regardless. She he just stares at her for a hot second and then just says to sh to not show her mastery with the blade either. You know, not even recognizing what she did to prove her loyalty. He says, don't even show people how to do that either. <laughs> so, and to not show the mastery of a blade, glamour, or all she can do. Show her power by appearing powerless. Jude later just stays in a room to nurse her wounds when um, Vivi comes in. They talked about what happened to the girl and Vivi kind of confides in her that she doesn't want her girlfriend knowing about fairies just because of what happened. She's afraid that all the terrors and all the horrors that she'll this this girl will find out and doesn't want to be with Vivi or just wants to run away or just hurt herself like like kind of their mother did their mother ran away so before they can you know carry on their discussion on Taryn did announce that the dresses did arrive for the coronation ball you know when Jude looks at her dress it, it's not the one that she ordered it actually closely re resembles Locke's mother's dresses when looking at the dress. Oriana did choose that moment to want to spe speak to all the sisters. You know, she did her usual warning of attending of a ball, not to make any deals or bargains or make any foolish insults because they, you know, there's a lot of people coming out in a lot of places and a lot of them don't know about Maddox protection over them. So just kind of stay out of trouble, basically. Enjoy yourself, but stay out of trouble. <laughs> so she, Oriana just kind of softly says to Jude not to aspire above her station. And Jude was kind of confused at that moment, but that kind of two and two clicks. She, Oriana was kind of thinking that Jude was Dane's lover. And she's like, oh no, I'm not. Uh, so Oriana just shares something with her that she used to be the Elf King's consort, which was shocking to Jude. She never uh, gave him a child, but there was a rumor that there was another consort who nearly did. And one of the princes just poisoned her to, um, to avoid competition to the throne. And I'm thinking personally that that was Locke. That could have been Locke's mother. So we'll see. But it's also just a rumor, apparently. Oriana did make Jude swear that if Dane got 
and Aaron her. Basically got her pregnant. That she tells no one before Jude tells Oriana first. Makes her swear on it, right? So after that conversation, um, Jude finds out from Taryn that Prince Bill can came to Maddox study and stayed there for hours. Odd detail, but um, Jude was worried that he was there about the, the missing servant, so she's kind of keeping an eye on that. That night, Jude was waiting for one of the Court of Shadow members to come to her to give her another lesson, but instead she noticed that Valerian was climbing through her window and apparently very intoxicated and pissed about what happened. Um, page 209 says, Do you know what he said when I told him that he stabbed me? He told me it was not more than I deserve. So basically he went off to Cardin's like, Hey, she stabbed me. Well, and Cardin was like, oh, You, you kind of deserved it. <laughs> and I think he's kind of pissed at Cardin's reaction too, just because he's not doing anything about it. Kind of whipped his honor, you know what I mean? His pride. So Valerian did try to stab Jude with a knife and Jude was able to dodge each attempt and each time she dodged, the word from Dane kept coming back to her about not revealing her skills. So it's kind of coming down to the point that to protect Dane's plans, she might have to die by Valerian's hand because of that situation. So she was about to scream for help but Valerie was able to tackle her to the ground and at the last second she was able to kick the blade out of his hand but it didn't stop him from grabbing her throat again. So then Jude decides then and there that she wouldn't be afraid of Valerian or Prince Dane's censor. So she felt like she was being told what and uh, what to do, what not to do in the name of protecting herself. So she decided I'm going to be much worse. So she takes the knife and stabs Valerian in the heart. And in his last breath, he started to try to curse her, but he didn't finish. Uh, she decides that she can't let anyone see that she's killed Valerians. So not even the members of the Court of Shadows, because it's going to get back to Prince Dane. So she decides that she has to hide the body herself. So she just kind of tucks it away there. So in Chapter 19, uh, Ghost did eventually come to her for another lesson. So as he was teaching things, he also said that they were also an, on a mission as well, or another assignment. Even though she, Ghost tells her that the, there was a messenger dressed up as the king's high king's library and was going to Belkin's estate and they must kill him. So while they were kind of waiting in those moments, she kept thinking about what she's done and what how she's going to do to keep from, people from finding out. So as they swatted the messenger, Go, Ghost asked Jude to shoot the creature and Jude took a crossbow out and shot the messenger. With that moment, um, Ghost did compliment her about good marksmanship and a stomach for violence. <laughs> and she thinks to herself uh, that two murders under her belt in one night, not too bad. And even uh, Maddox was more than wrong with her uh, about her than she he realized because you know it said in you know when she was asking to be to participate in the summer tournament that he she wasn't a killer so she's kind of proven that moment wrong she wonders if she's that way because she watched her parents murdered in front of her ghost notices and asks her of her um, because of her nails that had discoloration and that she was poisoning herself she just merely replies that she is mortal and has to try uh, harder so she feels like she has to make up the difference to go against the fairies. So Ghost tells her there's plenty of mortals who are better at things than the fae are, and that's why they're keeping them around. I, I like this interaction. Next, she asks her if she has many enemies, and she's like, page 217, it says, uh, not many. I say, thinking of, of the lazy, hateful look Cardin gave her by torchlight in the hedge maze, but their quality. So basically, she's like, I don't have a lot of enemies, but the ones I do have is pretty up there. <laughs> so Ghost and Jude 
sneak to grab the papers in the messenger bag. And Jude happens to notice that the messenger was female and one of Maddox's spies. Since she's in the gentry and, you know, sees Maddox's spies, she was able to recognize who this person was. And on the paper, it says, kill the bearer of this message, signaling that Belkin has set them up possibly distracting them from the truth trap that was actually set tomorrow. So in the next paragraph, it details uh, Jude going to bury the body of Valerie next to the stables. So Jude and her sisters are getting ready for the coronation ball. Uh, Jude is having to wear gloves because her hand is not fully healed yet. As she was getting ready, Maddox entered in to hand her a silver sheath blade to wear that night. It's actually a family heirloom, but it's not Maddox's family heirloom. It's actually Jude's biological father who made it while he was in fairy. So apparently it wasn't just her mother that was in fairy, but it was also her father. And it turns out that that's where her mother and father actually met was around Maddox's estate. Turns out that it looks like that Maddox did have kind of a friendship with her father. But, you know, one thing that her father had a kind of a thing was that he gloated about how he was a mastersmith. That's what how he made the blades. But he also gloated that he stole Maddox's bride. And I think that kind of like instigated a little bit um, of Maddox. So Maddox says he owes a debt to Jude and to, vows to repay the, the best he knows how. Page 224, it says, I cannot forgive him, but I cannot hate him either. After today, things will be different. So she feels that, again... You know, Maddox is doing the best he can with the decisions he's made. So she can't hate him because he's kind of like that father figure in her life. But she also knows that what he's done to cause her to be in that situation in the first place. So she feels like after the coronation ball, her getting power, her being granted power would make things different. So in chapter 20... They're in the carriage. It seems like Maddox is carrying his red dip cap in the front pocket, like as a weird way as a metal. She kind of notices that he's done that. So once again, they arrive at Palace of Elfham once again, where the party is already going. They uh, they don't pay respects to Elf King like before, as tradition, because they're going to be giving their oaths over to the new king that night. So then the ceremony begins, and then the throne room for the coronation. So that's basically how it works. All right, pausing real quick, and I'm promising we'll get back to it. I love every one of your readers, and I'm in need of your support to help this podcast flourish. Here are the few ways you can help. One, subscribe. Subscribing to your favorite platform ensures that you get the latest episodes right away. Two, rate and review. Leave me a glowing review and rating on your favorite podcast platform of your choice. Your feedback not only is exciting to me, but also helps other fantasy enthusiasts discover this podcast. Three, share Spread the word of Booktrovert Reader Podcast. Share these episodes on social media and recommend this book podcast to your friends. Sharing this podcast creates an amazing community of listeners just like you. Make sure to check out the description below to find all my links to my social media. Four, support through subscriptions. Your support helps me continue making content. In the description below, you will find how to support me on this podcast. By subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing, it will help Booktrovert Reader Podcast get in front of other readers like you. Thank you for being a part of this journey, and make sure to tell me your favorite fantasy book. All right, readers, back to the episode. 
So Roach somehow finds her in the crowd and tells, you know, he's wearing a mask and he tells her to keep an eye out because if Belkin were to make it move, it'll be right before the coronation. So basically before the new king is crowned. So while dancing, Locke finds her and talks to her. He seems kind of different to her and throws her off. So when he asks if Jude would, could, would do anything because he loved him and so when he asks if Jude could love him and what she's willing to do for him. He asks if she would forswear any promise to him and ask if, if Jude loves him enough to give him up. So this interaction is very strange to Jude. The words and it says, if you love me, you know, you do this for me, blah, blah, blah. You know, in page 231, it says, do you love me enough to weep over me? And she asks, you mean if you were hurt? And I mean, if I hurt you, he responds, you know, my skin prickles. I don't like this, but at least I know what to say. Jude responds, if you hurt me, I wouldn't cry. I would hurt you back. Bam. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> you know, that incited kind of a, a shocked response from Locke a little bit. But before he can say anything, it was time to change partners. Carden comes up and says that. And he's like, oh, that was your line, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, chuckle, chuckle. And it's, and it's, uh, they dance for a bit and the words that were exchanged, uh, he asked Jude if he hates him or no, Cardin asked if Jude hates him and her response was not more than he hates her. No more was said and they parted ways, right? So there was a signal to the ceremony and Jude's you know, sees that Oka's sitting on Taryn's shoulders and Taryn is standing by Locke. Uh, Taryn reaches over and tucks uh, Locke's hair behind his ears. And at that moment, Jude was kind of putting two and two together. She's like, there's a possibility that Locke is going to be declaring himself to Taryn. This is the mysterious lover or love that Taryn was hiding from Jude. And because that was such an intimate moment to Jude for someone to be doing. So she's like, I, I can't go to my family right now. Now because I'm so, uh, you know, with that dis that thought that I may have been betrayed by Taryn, I can't just stand there beside her. So she decides to hang back in the crowd instead of standing with her family. As the royal family was gathering together, she notices that Cardin wasn't there at the time. He's off in the sidelines. He looks already massively drunk. There was a possibility when he was dancing with her that he was already drunk already. After noticing something though, she notices by the knights by Maddox or by the throne or the dais as they were calling it. It was had Maddox's best commanders warriors that were fiercely loyal to Maddox. And next thing you know that Oriana Oak and her sisters were being escorted out of there by Maddox's lieutenants. You know, at that moment it kind of comes to June of what Maddox says way before when they it got first announced that they were going to be crowning Prince Dane. She says he has I have a plan to ensure our futures. A well-seasoned strategist waits for the right opportunity. So June, remembering that, starts to panic and realizes she needs to find Roach, like, right now, right then. But as she sees Belkin right before, you know, the king declares, hey, I'm not the king anymore, and he was about to crown Prince Dane as the new king, but then she sees Belkin remove his blade and tells Dane that he does not accept him as king. Eldred, which is the previous king, now the previous king anyways, tells Belkin to put down his sword because no duel will convince him to give Belkin the crown. So he's like, no matter what, I'm not giving it to you. You know, because as you remember, the only way to crown a king is to have a descendant crown the new king. So instead of stabbing Dane, he turns around and stabs Elowen in the throat. The guards don't listen when Dane commands them to come. 
So the guards don't listen because they, when Dane commands them to come, because I think they pledge allegiance to the new king or Belkin, they're allowing this to happen. Uh, there was an attempt to kill Belkin with two arrows, probably from Ghost, who was hiding out in somewhere. But Belkin was wearing armor, so he was able to protect himself from that. Jude sees Maddox coming up to the dais, and he was, she was like, oh, he's going to protect Dane. Everything would be well. But instead, he stabbed Prince Dane in the chest, killing him on the spot, and Maddock was wearing his red cap, so he was going out for blood, right? So page 241, it says, He must have allied with Belkin, misdirected Dane's spies, put his own commanders in place to keep the royal family isolated from anyone who would help them, urged Belkin to orchestrate a strike at the one time no one would expect it, even figured out the only way to not trigger the crown's death curse was to move when it was rested on no one's head. Knowing him as I do, I'm sure he planned this coup. Maddox has betrayed Eldrin and Dane is gone, taking all my hopes and plans with him. So basically, with Prince Dane's death, Jude has realized that everything that she worked towards, every plan, everything that she's done so far has gone to nothing because Dane was going to be that one person to grant her power when he was crowned king. And now he's gone, she just like, it's gone. So Maddox was able to figure out that there was a loophole in the whole thing that the only way it won't curse anyone is actually when it wasn't on somebody's head. So when, you know, Eldrin declared that he wasn't the king anymore, that was the time to strike. So Belkin threatens Eldred that if he doesn't declare himself high king, he'll just kill his consort right there. Still refusing, Eldred just, just refused to submit and Belkin kills the consort just right there. And that brought on the sense of what Oriana meant about just consorts being used as a pawn. They're just used. They're not really meant for anything. So Eldred still refuses after that. And Belkin just runs. He just like, I'll never give you that. The crown, no matter what, you're a coward. And Belkin just runs a sword through the previous king as well. So Belkin just looks at the remaining sisters and asks one of them to crown him. And he says, if, if any one of you crown me, I, I will let you live. Because, like I said, that has to be a descendant to crown the new king. So one of the sisters did say she would do it because she's tired of the bloodshed. I mean, she lost her sister, a consort, and her father, right? But unfortunately, there was an arrow, one of Ghost's arrows that may have been shot that almost killed Belkin, but it kills her instead. So the last remaining sister decided to take her own life to avoid being crowning Belkin. So in that moment, there is like only one descendant left and that's Cardin. And Belkin's like, find Cardin immediately. You know, he cannot be crowned unless a descendant did. So Ghost did try to shoot him again, but he had to flee. So you see him running off. Belkin did try to get someone else to crown him and pledge allegiance to him, but no one would. He attempts to put the crown on his head, but it burns him because he was trying to take it by force. And according to the magic of the crown, only this ascendant, again, repeating myself, <laughs> the other monarchs who witnessed what happened decide they're not going to pledge their allegiance to them because they're saying you kind of you're a coward and you you took it by force and you had to shed a lot of blood just to get it to this point they will only pledge their allegiance to the crown and not to the new king told him the mon some one monarch even said you have three days for belkin to give up or the court will not pledge and not pledging means a lot of the courts will go unchecked by the new monarch the crown was the only thing that kept you know from a lot of wars from happening a, you know a lot of problems from happening a lot of the courts fighting with one another. Oh, wow, that was a lot. I feel like that was a short few chapters for this episode, but 
there was a lot that happened in these few chapters. And it's like the, like, as they say, the crap hits the fan, per se. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens next, if they find Cardin or not, and what Jude does next in this situation. So the next one would be chapters 21 through 25. So I look forward to reading again with you readers and talk to you soon.